Hello and welcome to the Hoff Podcast. I'm Daniel Turner, the pastor of the Tyler House of Faith. We take these messages from our weekly services and then release them here on our podcast channel for you. We hope you dig it. All right, so today I think I want to talk about being spiritually sharp. Being, being uh, on your game, on point, in walking with the Lord, but also in being effective in that prayer that we just came into agreement with. The Father who's in heaven that we are in connection with. He's in us, we're in Him. This, this Christ within us, the hope of glory, this reality of God being with us. Um, but His kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven being in partnership with this reality, what it means to be sharp and, and, and actively living this way, this reality of faith, right? And faith, um, I love a lot of times to start off because with Hebrews 11, when even talking about faith and walking in the Spirit, because it just kind of feels like it brings us into this mentality of what we're talking about. And it's, it, I think the word can lose some of its power because it's been so, it's so frequent to us. And it's, you know, whether it's, you know, you know George Michaels or whatever, uh, nobody could catch. Yeah, there's an old guy in here just like me. Somebody was around in the, that 80s music, you know. Uh, but faith being something that's so, so profound. You know, in Hebrews 1, it talks about that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things that are not seen. The substance or the substrate, this foundational plot for a landing strip really for the things that are hoped for. This, this concept of us partnering with heaven, creating space in the real world, in time and space, in the here and now, in this partnership and belief in the goodness of God and the power of heaven to be released on our behalf and, on, and, and in order that His name would be great in the world Amen. and coming into partnership with this manifesting inside of the dimensions of time and space in the present, you know? And um, this faith that is the substance of things, hopefully of things that seem, it says, by, by it the elders, those people that have gone before us, obtained a good testimony. And, and you know, Hebrews 11 goes and lists so many people from the Bible. But it says something in verse 3 that by faith we understand that the worlds, the planets, were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. And it's this, it's this kind of real mystical uh, thing right here and, and that says by faith. In other words, when we live by faith, we realize that the planets, everything in the natural world, even our galaxy were actually framed by the Word of God. In other words, just like a two-dimensional picture that we frame up and paint the picture of something real, paint the picture of the mountains, you know, Mount Rushmore, or, or that's not a real mountain, but you know what I'm saying, you know, uh, you know, some beautiful, the Appalachian Mountain painting or something like that. We understand that, hey, that, that's not really the Appalachian Mountains, even though it looks identically like it, and it is a representation of it. There's something more real that's actually on the outside of that two-dimensional frame that's actually created that portrait. And it's a representation of something that's very real, but it's more real than the actual picture. And so, um, you know, we always joke around and say, you know, Elon Musk says, you know, I, I believe that we're living in a simulation. This is this 
quite possibly could be a computer simulation. He's, he makes those jokes like we're living in the Matrix and stuff like that, you know. Not jokes, he thinks it, you know. Um, but in a sense, the Bible says that there's something true to that reality. Yeah. Saying that everything that we can see in the natural realm, in the natural world, not that it isn't real, but by faith we understand that it was actually placed and framed and created by something that's more real that's on the outside of it. Yeah. And that's a simple breakdown of one verse that commonly gets overlooked, but it's saying, hey, the eternal realm, God, the Creator, everything on the outside of time and space, heaven, it's so much even more real than this temporary place that we are living in now, but that we are called to, by faith, create space to usher the reality of heaven into this very place now, until the whole place looks, hey, the song they just sang, literally looks like heaven. The prayer that Jesus gave us are, on earth as it is in heaven. And I believe that God wants us to have this concept in our minds. It says, by faith, we, we, we understand this, right? But I would venture to say that if you just clipped that first five minutes of this message to the majority of churches in the world, not to compare, but that would be, whoa, that's kind of out there, man. You know, that's pretty you know, deep or whatever. But it's, this is saying the basics of our faith believes this way. That's what it is. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's people living according to the atmosphere of somewhere else with the faith that they're called to be the conduits the hope of glory christ within them this new covenant reality the conduits of bringing this into this world and see we can live by the climates of this world by the forecasts of this world um whatever uh you know anything anything like this we can live this way and be carnally and be spiritually dull and because of that we can kind of drop the ball, so to speak, on the heavenly reality we're called to be the, 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 the bringers of in this world. Or we can actually learn to live by faith, by, by, by the eyes of our understanding, the eyes of our heart, like Ephesians 1 says, being enlightened to know what the hope of the calling of the Lord Jesus is in the saints, to seeing the value of heaven all around us and wanting to unlock it. And by living by faith, this disciplinary walk of Christianity, seeking first the kingdom above all things, our mind is renewed to think outside of this frame or this box of the carnal world. And that's how we're supposed to live. And some will say, oh, don't be so heavenly mindedly that you're no, no earthly good. But even that, to me, it contradicts the scriptures. And, I, and I've seen this and I know it, and I know people that are like this, that are so overly spiritual that they never bear fruit in the real world. They're always confused. They're always wishy-washy. They're up and down. You know, they're, they're so overly spiritual. And I'm not talking about being over-spiritualized things and creating excuses for not putting practical feet to our faith. That's not exactly, that is not at all what I'm saying. But what I am saying by faith, we understand that this is the matrix. And this is plastic compared to the reality we're called to usher in. And our faith doesn't take a break. You know, it doesn't. It's the renewal of the mind and knowing God who is spirit and worshiping Him in spirit and in truth. It's this mature walking. We're called to walk this way. I like that. Well, let's back up a little bit. Hebrews 5, right? Hebrews 5 talks something about spiritual maturity. Verse, um, we'll say Hebrews 5, 13, and we'll come down into Hebrews 6, um, 1 or 2, and just look at that. Because there wasn't these numbers in the Bible when these letters were written, right? But it literally says, it's talking about those who partake of only milk that are unskilled in the word of God. In other words, they're, 
their Christianity or their, their biblical understanding is so surface level that they're really just holding to a form of godliness but denying the power and the reality of the supernatural spiritual walk, right? And, and what it says is everyone who partakes only in milk is unskilled in the word of God, in the word of righteousness, for he's a baby. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That, that's teleos, and that's, that means like a mature person. Solid spiritual food, the deep things, the reality of God, it's for those who are of a mature state. That is, and defines it, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern that which is good and evil. And it's like the Bible's literally talking about this, this ability to step into a discernment, not in the, the knowledge of good and evil, but able to discern things by the Spirit, and this being a mark of spiritual maturity. Amen. And another thing that I like about that verse right there in Hebrews 5.14, it says they've done this by reason of use or by exercise. And so we see this this picture of faith and wisdom and discernment, the way it works, is not by checking in and checking out of God on God. It's actually walking this walk on a constant basis. Being immersed with the mindset of heaven, the mindset of the Lord Jesus, who's in us, you know, to those who acknowledge him in all their ways, Proverbs 3 says. And it's just like, we can actually so link our mindset until we're taking thoughts captive and, and learning to walk by faith, and this is spiritual sharpness. There's something to, to this practical spiritual exercises. It says in verse six, or, or chapter six of Hebrews, like right the next verse, therefore leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith towards God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of resurrection from the dead and eternal judgment. This we will do if God permits. And he's just, he goes on and lays the, the basic elementary um, principles of Christianity. But he doesn't talk about, uh, one thing that I think is really cool there, it's, it's not talking about um, leaving sin. It's like leaving the discussion of the elementary principles, um, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. In other words, it's, it's actually talking about not being religious. It's like having a mind change from all the works that we stepped into to try to earn this place in God. Like, let's get out. We think like, oh, well, sin, it makes you spiritually dull. And certainly it does. But the warning here and what it's talking about, spiritual maturity, is stepping into this place where our, where our spiritual senses and skills are attuned in walking with the Lord, the, the mindset of faith, by knowing Him on a regular basis. Constantly relating and connecting to Him. We lose this... This carnal, there's a circumcision of the, of the carnal mind of mankind of seeing everything through carnality, you know, in the forecasts of the world. Yeah. Um, we lose that mentality and we step into faith and it's like we're not laying again the foundation of this repentance uh, of, of, of the works, of working out this, this religious game. It's like, hey, let's come out of that and actually live and walk by faith in everywhere we go. This thing is about to get thrown against the wall, y'all. I don't know. <laughs> I, can, I, can, I can orate like the old school days. I start shouting, you know, if I need to. You know, just if we need to can the microphone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things, man. 
this desire that I feel that he, he, for his people to come into this mentality of walking in the sharpness, um, the skill, the maturity that he's calling our household to step into and his body to step into. There's a scripture, there's, there's, a, there's well, it's like seven scriptures, I think, in 2 Kings chapter 6 that I wanted to do today, speaking of this faith, speaking of sharpness, and speaking of growth, growth, uh, because that is, the, that is the growth, the spiritual maturity of true Christianity. And it's the story of one of my favorite guys. His name is Elisha, successor of Elijah. And um, it's when they were in a time of growth in what was called the school of the prophets. Something that, you know, Elijah felt like he was the last one at one point. He comes and he... And he, and he the Lord shows him to find his successor, Elisha, and then now there's a full-blown school. It's a really beautiful thing, and they're experiencing growth and expansion. I believe this is a word for our house, and I've given that to much of our team, but I also believe this is a word for any of us who are choosing and desiring to walk in the reality of the spiritual walk, which is growth, to grow in Christ. And um, it's, um, I think it's, yeah, it's seven verses. And uh, it's a very interesting but kind of obscure, kind of strange story about how um, the, the sons of the prophets, the, the, you know, the people of the school in, in 2 Kings chapter 6, they literally come to Elisha and say, hey, the place where we dwell is now becoming too small for us. Hey, we're, we're outgrowing this place. Um, so let's go to the Jordan. Now, if you've been here any number of years, you understand like the Jordan is this the mystical river that's this symbolism of, of heaven breaking into the earth all through the Bible you know when you know we understand like you know Christianity being free from sin and bondage that first baptism right was the Red Sea opened up and the slaves air quotes Israel which means sons and prince with God who had become slaves literally crossed over on dry ground right over the Red Sea and as soon as Pharaoh and Egypt tried to come after them, they got swallowed up. And that's baptism. Everything that tried to put that old identity on them washed behind them, and they were free to follow the Lord. You know? But there was another baptism. It comes in the book of Joshua, right? And this is when it was time to literally step into maturity and go into the promised land. This was not wandering in the wilderness, all the testings. It was still going to be testings to live by faith, but this was what heaven on earth was going to look like. It was the promised land, which prophetically is a picture for us of, of bringing heaven to the earth that was filled at the time with giant clans, clans that were empowered by giants all through the earth. Yeah. And Joshua had the, the mandate to go and rout them, these Nephilim, these hybrid beings and these people groups that were united with them. And the ones Joshua didn't go after, then David and his mighty men, they went after and got rid of them. So, um, but it was this constant war between the demonic, the seed of the serpent, and the, and the seed of the kingdom. And, and it's this picture for us of stepping into this battle, which is heaven on earth, but being empowered. And this, this baptism that they went through, is, it was you know, the Jordan River. The Jordan River backed up all the way to a town called Adam, right in the book of Joshua. They crossed over on dry ground. Next thing you know, not long from there, and they're taking Jericho out and then going after the giant clan you know, people and all this stuff. And, it's this beautiful picture of this, this River Jordan. Anytime we see it in the Bible, there's something to it. It's the empowerment of God. And we, as, obviously, as Christians, we, the most famous 
is the, the ghost of God himself, the spirit of God, the dove, coming down upon the Son of God, who was God, who is with God, all these things, and the voice of the Father God, the Trinitarian looking, you know, view of this is my son, you know, mind-blowing thing. And then all of a sudden, this carpenter out of, you know, wherever he was from, all these different places, right, you know, born in Bethlehem and, you know, Jesus of Nazareth, all these titles that he had, all of a sudden this random, what they thought was a random person is empowered by the Spirit of God and he comes out of the wilderness dropping bombs, you know, on darkness. And so we have this picture of Jordan, so let's have that concept in our mind. But anyhow, the, um, the new building and the new growth has to do with the empowerment of the Spirit of God and that's the prophetic um, implication there of Second Kings Six two. Hey, let's go to Jordan and let's make a place there to dwell. Elisha consents. He says, yeah, let's, let's, let's go with it. But then one of the guys says, hey, well, you consent to go with us. And he says, I'll go with you, which is cool. So he goes with them. They come to the Jordan. They start cutting down trees in order to build this place. It says in verse 5, but as one was cutting down a tree, and the iron axe head fell into the water. And he cried out and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. <laughs> like that one mine, you know what I mean? And a lot of theology, you know, we'll talk about the Bronze Age and how, how, how uh, an iron axe head um, was not very common, was very expensive. Um, some people will even look in some of the wording that like, Alas, it was borrowed. In other words, the man actually had to plead for it. Like, please let me use it. This is really important to the guy that owned it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So now he's like, oh, gosh. You know, I really worked something out to get this thing. You know, it was like, there's all kind of dramatic to it, dramatic stuff to it. But Elisha does what any of us would do, and he somehow magically causes the thing to float to the top of the water. You know, <laughs> so that's the, and that's the story, the end. All right, go to lunch, you know. Uh, it's so strange, right? But alas, Master, because it was borrowed. So it says in verse 6 that the man of God actually says, where did it fall? And he shows him the place where he, where he, where, he caused, where the thing fell into the Jordan and boom, sunk. And, and also, if we're thinking about this, this is, this is a young Babe Ruth hacking away with an axe at a tree. And he hacked so hard that the thing popped off and... You know what I mean? He, he slung this thing around, you know what I mean? Uh, so there's that. It's not like it just dropped into the, a foot into the Jordan River. This thing was deep and it was gone, right? Uh, it, it was being baptized, if you can see that, honestly. Um, so I think there is something there, but he says, where did, it, where did he, where did he uh, show me the place where it was? So it says what he did is he cut off a stick from one of the trees and he made, and he threw it in and he made the iron float and said, all right, pick it up. And the guy reached out his hand and took it. And that's the end of the story. And that's in the Bible for us. You know, God left that in there for us. Like they're going to really need this one. And they're just like, that's a weird thing, you know what I mean? What are you talking about? You know what I mean? But we understand this now. Just like the showbread that was in the tabernacle. The bread that the priests could eat, but they could only see what they were eating because the menorah was lit. Right? So we read this by the Spirit of God. There's a prophetic picture there, right? And we see things that we wouldn't normally see if we're just watching Lord of the Rings and reading this like a, just a book, a story. You know? These things were written for us, 1 Corinthians 10 says. Romans 15 says they were written for us who were actually stepping into the reality of this new covenant. And so it's not a random story. It was important that it was there. And um, I think that's, that's really cool. But he breaks a stick off. 
I don't know if anybody has had physics classes in uh, college. That doesn't work. That doesn't do anything. Breaks a stick and tosses it out into the river and it pulls up to the stick. Like, there you go, pick it up. It's just like, huh? What? How did this happen? You know what I mean? And um, it's beautiful. It makes no sense at all, though. It makes no sense at all to the natural mind. Um, but it's very much like the kingdom. This is a demonstration. I think, I think that actually the Lord wants us to have this. Um, this is an otherworldly power that does not make any sense. It's almost like somebody walking on top of water or something. It just makes absolutely no sense. Or, or manifesting healings or, 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 or pulling food out of nowhere and feeding thousands of people with a small, small amount. You know, It's just this very strange thing that God wants to establish faith in His people just like Hebrews 11, 2, and 3 is talking about. These elders, these people that have obtained a good testimony, like, like oh, Elisha and, and Elijah and these boys. And, and, and then you're talking about, um, you know, by faith we understand that this world's not as real as the world we're called to represent. And that even the laws of this world, the laws of the physics of this world, they do not outweigh the reality of walking in obedience to the Lord and what He has. And there's something beautiful, I mean, and there's something beautiful of, I believe, even the wood representing the cross of the Lord Jesus. Applying this, what the enemy meant for something dark, this torture device, to being the reality that is a portal that opens up the other side, that the Apostle John stepped through and couldn't be killed, you know. Um, this reality of the cross being applied to something, the Jordan, the cross, and, and, and something that was borrowed. You know, there's something to the otherworldly power of God in order to restore something, to bring restoration, to restore something that was lost or was taken. Yeah. You know, um, there's just all these beautiful pictures that you can see these guys saying, Elisha, who's the representative of God, a picture of walking with God in a sense, um, will you come and actually be with us? Can you be in our atmosphere? Can we be in your atmosphere so that we are not working on our own, but we're, we're working according to another set of laws, of physics, of reality, you know? And that he's wanting to establish like, hey, like Martha, your brother's going to rise. Like, oh yeah, oh amen, brother, you know? He's going to rise on the last day. No, 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 like, I am the resurrection. Do you believe this? He who believes in me won't even die. Do you believe this? There's something of the eyes of the Lord wanting to pull us into a place of faith that even with something that was lost there, even something that was a trial, it was like, God, like, He allows this, but it's like, I want you to see me trump this because I want it to be part of your life, your belief, your testimony. I want you to follow me in such a way like Peter walking on water. That's just like, hey, if you say it, I can do it. If you call me out, I'll believe you more than I will be whatever the circumstance is. Like, I want to stay locked in. And actually stepping into this place of belief and faith in the Lord. That we're not walking around and then we have emergencies in life and become spiritual. We're walking around in this faith. You know, the guy, you know one of the guys that was a teacher to me, he used to always say, faith is progressive. And it's true. I believe it does grow. It, it grows from faithfulness. 
and having this mindset of renewal to where we're like, we're living this way. You know what I mean? And there's something to that reality. You know, Ecclesiastes 10.10, a book I don't never have really loved all that much, you know, that I say that out loud. But Ecclesiastes 10 says, if the ax is dull and one does not sharpen the edge, then he must use more strength. But wisdom brings success. But the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And we know what the fear of the Lord is in this house. It is, the, it is the acknowledging God in all our ways, the reality that He's with us. And I love that Ecclesiastes 10.10, if the axe is dull, uh, in, in Texas they'd say, if your axe is dull, you've got to really whack that thing real hard, brother. That's how it would be, be said in Texas. But, you know, if, you don't, if, if it's not sharp, if it's, if it's dull, you're going to be in your own strength hacking away. Amen. And this young prophetic student, he, he was getting a workout, let's put it that way, because he was hacking. If you swing the axe so hard that the thing, you know what I mean? You weren't letting the tool do its work. You were pushing it. You ever have that? You ever have somebody teaching you that? Anybody else work on a painting crew before? No, no, nobody? I know one guy that used to. I won't mention who he is. You're looking at him. You know what I remember? It's like, you know, you start rolling that paint, and the boss comes like, like that thing's too dry. Put some paint on that thing, boy. No, nothing. It didn't work, did it? No. But it's just like, let the tool do its job. Stop pushing it into the wall and trying to squeeze a little more paint out of the thing. Just use the paint. Okay, maybe that didn't work, but it's all right. Um, I, yeah, I think it works. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, hey, man, if the axe is dull, if you're in your own strength, if you're walking around in a carnal mentality, then you're going to be striving a lot of times in the spiritual walk. But there's something to the sharpening of the axe, which is wisdom and it is the fear of the Lord of being spiritual sharp, spiritually sharp. So we're constantly in this process of, of our mind being renewed. What does James say? J Jesus' little brother, half-brother, you know what I'm saying? He who, like, is a hearer of the word but not a doer of the word is like somebody who sees his face in the mirror, but then he goes away and forgets what he looks like. That's a funny verse, you know what I mean? But it's like, if we don't walk this walk, if it's not regular, it doesn't become our person. We actually forget who we are, we go off, we get into a trial, we get into life, and the next thing you know we're, we're burning our wheels, burnt out because we're doing things in our own strength and we weren't created to live that way. You know what I'm saying? It's like being a hearer and a doer, having follow through, having this constant renewal of our mind in knowing the Lord. You know what I mean? It's something that causes the spiritual reality to be ours. It's, it's a faith, it's a concept, it's a way that we live and our rest in this spiritual reality causes it to manifest in our life, in our house, in our family, in our relationships, in our places of work, and everywhere we go. We are called to emanate heaven. The abundance, the success of heaven is, called to, is, is, is supposed to come through the sons and daughters of light. And I'm not talking about money, but it definitely includes that. I'm talking about the success, the righteousness, the peace, the joy is supposed to exude us to a place that people want what we have. And guess what? They can have it because it's a person that we just happen to know. You know what I mean? It's not our possession. It is who we are with, who we are in, who we are. You know what I mean? It's just, this is the, the sharpness of spiritual. You know, act, you know, Proverbs 27, verse 17 also says, As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And that's a pretty scripture. That's really cool. It's, it's literally talking about like the relationships that we are in in life 
you know, not being unequally yoked. You know what I'm saying? It's not like that we're not in relationship with people of the world. Absolutely. Like how we gotta be. That's vastly important. But the, the committed covenant walks that we have in this life, the iron that sharpens iron, are so incredibly valuable. Who are we are connected to? And this is the church, man. This is true Christianity. This is, I won't do it all today because I don't, I don't want to go that long, but it's like, you know, this is Ephesians 4, the equipping of the saints, all the leadership and all the roles of church that are listed there. They only exist not to lord over people, but to enable people to train and be equipped in their supernatural spiritual abilities that every single Christian has actually been called to walk in. That's what, that's what church is supposed to look like. That is literally, Ephesians 4, what church is supposed to be. A light in the world, a city on a hill, a people that are living this, and now there's this, there's obviously there's this huge war, like, well, you can't go to a church. I am the church. You know, you have all the, the Facebook theologians and all this kind of funky stuff. Well, it's marketplace ministry. Amen. You know, you have all this religious stuff. It's almost always just rooted in rebellion, and it's not rooted in the scriptures. Um, but there's such a balance to to in the house and also in the world. Get outside of the four walls of the church. Like, don't even talk to me like that. I'll be polite about it. But, but I, it's, like, it's like, it's not about inside or outside. It's about all the above. And if one's missing, it's off. Just the way it is. I'm not saying this because I have a dog in the fight. It's the Bible. You know what I mean? And the training and equipping, the aspects of even serving, are the things that cause us to be spiritually sharp. Training and equipping. The, the aspects of relational. You guys know, like when we moved here, when I was, when I was praying to move here, I, I thought about this this morning. I flew here to pray. Should we, should we come back here? Should we, should we start a church here and all this stuff? Because the Lord was telling me to do it. And I was praying about the timing and all that stuff. And he said to go ahead and do it right now, which was not super convenient, you know. But I did it. And the trip, when I was praying, coming back flying here, I ran into a fellow named Little John, right? And um, it's not the guy from Robin Hood. Uh, some of the young people have a smile on their face. They understand who Little John is. Yeah! God says that. Nobody else? Yeah, some of you guys, you know who he is. Let's go! Okay, that, that, that rapper little guy. So I'm in the airport with Little John, you know what I'm saying? And I don't take anything like, you know, it's, it's like, I'm, I remember... I don't remember if it was in Houston or Dallas because at the time we had to fly into one and then fly over to Tyler over here. And of course, you know, I'm going to the barbecue place for my lunch and I'm in line with little John, like next to each other. Well, his bodyguard was between us. You know, he was huge. Yeah, little John, I'm not making this up. Come on, man. You know I don't make stuff up. This ain't no parable. This is real. And um, yeah, and so, I mean, little John is ordering, we both were ordering our food together. You know I mean? Not together. I mean, we're in line. And he got to his lines, I'll take the chicken, like that. And then I was like, I'll take the chicken as well. You know what I mean? But anyhow, I snuck a picture of him real quick, sent it to Nicole. Like, hey, check this out, little John, you know. Uh, that's pretty funny. Um, but I knew something was there, you know. And it's a scripture that's, uh, you know, it's been so important for us. And I knew that it was the Lord. I felt like it was the Lord. Uh, because little John is in the Bible. It's First John. It's the little version of John, right? It's a little, it's a little chapter. Nothing? All right. Yeah. I think it's good. You know? Yeah. If we, and it's something that's been, been important to the Hoff, but it's because it's what we believe. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Koinonia. And the blood of Jesus, 
God's Son cleanses us from all sin. I love that. It's like, yeah, but we've been forgiven of all sin. Yes, but there's something of the reversal of the effects of the fall. There's something of this iron sharpens iron, the unity of the brethren, the, fellow, the true fellowship that you're called to walk in and being in relationship and being, in commi- being committed in relationship to other believers. That is a scary word. I'm about to use it. It's the A word, all right? But it's accountability. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? Because we think, have you been reading your Bible, brother? All these dumb religious things that have become accountability. You know what I mean? But it's the accountability of people that are in fellowship and in service as a team to accomplish something in the earth. Yeah, it's this, it's this agreement. You know what I'm saying? It's communion, but it's, it's, our word is common union. They're in a common union over the kingdom of heaven coming to the earth of allowing no dark thing to stay within their lineage. Being agreed upon those things which Jesus has paid for, which we will tolerate or which we will not. You know, that which is truly our inheritance in the kingdom and nothing less. Seeing each other through the testimony of Jesus, that, pro- that prophetic lens of, of Revelation 19.10, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Seeing, seeing prophetically each other which literally just means to see each other through the way Jesus sees us. You know, the way, he's, the way Samuel was able to see David. At first, God had to tell Samuel, like, hey, you're looking at the tall guys and all this stuff. I actually look at the heart. Let's have an adjustment of the way you see. Seeing each other in this way that, like, I know who you truly are. Seeing the champion. When Jesus met, when the angel of the Lord, a.k.a. Jesus, met Gideon, I'm the least in my father's house. That's cool. Go in this might of yours. I see you as a champion. She's like, what? You know, imagine a household of encouragement that sees each other this way. That is committed to holding each other to that standard. Like, wow, you're amazing. My brother, best friend since I was a little kid, in junior high was here this week. And, um, you know, I, I brought him here and I was showing him all these things. And I was telling him even about you guys. And I was like, it's like, the capacity, the people that are there. I was like, it's not like a parent, like, oh, my kids are the best, you know, some dumb thing like that. It's like, it's like no, but I'm, I'm like, seriously, though. The people that I talk to are amazing. The capacity that these people have, the, the places in the world of influence that God has positioned them and the callings and the purpose, the, the hunger that actually pulls from me when I teach and talk. I was like, these people are, it's not normal. It's like all Navy SEALs. You know what I mean? It's, it's like all these, it's like, it is not like anything I've ever, you know. And, um, but it's true. But we're called to see that way. And I'm not even saying that by faith. I actually think that for a lot of you. You know, really, if I'm being honest. I, I really do. Um, but it's like, there's something to the spiritual sharpness that comes from fellowship and connection committed walking, serving, growing, thriving, practicing the gift, especially in the hearing of the Lord's voice and actually ministering to other people. Especially when you don't have a dog. When you, we, I gotta quit saying a dog in a fight thing, you know? But when, when you don't have the, the agenda to receive something, but you're coming with the mindset to, to receive of the Lord and release it, it's another level that causes maturity. And those who, those who never do, it's almost like they never step into maturity. It's weird. But I've been doing this a long time, and that's the way, it's my experience, what I've seen. 
So there's little John. But also the reality of actually, yeah, but also the reality of actually walking in faith and having a mindset that is renewed into the commitment of accountability with Jesus. The eyeballs of his in your face. You believe what I'm telling you? I do. Help me, help me too. <laughs> help my unbelief, but I'm choosing to side with you. You know what I mean? He'll blow our minds. Does it to me all the time. You know? Relational connection. Otherworldly power to, to, to restore. A lot of times in sports, and I've seen it, the, the coaches would, would say athletes are made in the summer. Anybody ever heard that? A lot of sports folks, you know what I'm saying? It's a time when you're not in school, especially if you're in, 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 in college or high school. It's like you don't have classes unless you're taking a couple, you know what I'm saying? So you really have the time and the freedom to rest and to focus. And some people check out, which is a lot of people, and they just think, well, I'm moving up a grade, so I'll be a little bit older. So the guys that were older than me, I'm going to take their, you know what I mean? So I, just by seniority, I'll be quote unquote better. But the people that make the jumps, are not the people that are sitting on their hands spiritually or physically as an athlete. But it's true for us. I love summer because it's a time of rest and it's a time of peace for all of us, you know what I'm saying, especially in our country. Um, but there's something to diligently seeking the Lord. Like Jeremiah 29 says, like, those who diligently seek Him, they will be found by Him. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him, it says. There's something to maintaining that connection. Steve, I think, opened up with that. Like, a constant flow and connection and actually not wasting our trials. Not wasting when we go through something hard, not wasting it by whining about it. You know, not thinking, well, God has done this bad thing, but instead taking the mindset, even if it has to be done by faith, thank you for allowing me to experience this and go through this because I'm going to trust in you and I'm not going to waste this time. I'm going to partner with you in how you're going to come through this. I'm going to partner with you in how you're going to break through in this. And this will be a rock that no one will ever, of testimony no one will ever be able to take from me. It will be in my heart. And I will sink it into the forehead of a giant publicly. You know? And this is the way we're called to think. You know? The Israelites who were afraid to go into the promised land through the Jordan, there's giants in there, but not Caleb and Joshua. They said, they're going to be our food. We're going we're gonna to devour them and they are going to cause us to grow and be more powerful. And this is the mindset of faith that we're actually called to carry in life in a constant basis. We are constantly establishing faith in our mind like a groove, man. Like a path, like a groove, like train tracks. That we don't go this way sometimes and this way sometimes and oh, oh what am I going to need? I need an emergency, you know what I'm saying, emergency tongues or whatever, you know what I'm saying? It's like this is the way it's going to be. I'm going to follow him and I'm going to contend for the goodness of God in all my life. It's just not some tough guy stuff. This is the faith of God that sees that Hebrews 11.3. It's just like this place is plastic. This is the matrix. However you want to, you know, I use that terminology, this you know, popular culture, but it's like this place is framed in by the Word of God. There's something more real that I'm called to represent. I'm not going to take a diagnosis. I'm not going to take a, a, a weather you know, forecast. I'm not going to go this way. I'm going to choose to believe in all things. Yeah. I'm going to walk through whatever's in front of me. That's right. you know? This is the sharpness. And I think God wants to make the axe head float. Yeah. To live the cross. To live in fellowship. To live in the true koinonia of the church. 
This is the age of the church. Just, my mouth's getting a little dry. But this is the age of Christianity, the, the church itself arising and shining. In the walls and outside of the walls. All those little little catchphrases, you know, whatever you want to call it, a little clickbait. This is that time Amen. for people to come with, a, with a, it says, but we have the mind of Christ, is what the Bible says. Not I, it says we. It's this corporate mentality that is agreed on the common union, the communion, the fellowship of his body, his blood, his covenant for us. And this is the sharpness we're called to carry into the world and transform it. That's good. And so that's what I think, you know, that's, I, that's just what I think and believe. And so that's, I guess, going to be the message um, for today. I, I believe so. Let me see if I had any notes on this. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't look like I have any. I have little John at the end. Thought about that during worship. I ran into old little John with his platinum teeth. Yeah. Yep. And, um, you know, so that was funny. But, well, Lord, we thank you for the reality of the kingdom. And um, the profound demonstrations of power you have in store for all of us who will walk in faith and belief in you. And the growth and maturity you have for us as a house. I ask that we would step into everything by faith. Everything that you've called us to walk into. Thank you.